So, hey, as we get started today uh, with hearts open, I want to start off by just uh, sharing with you a, a story that I came across a while back that ties into what we're going to be talking about today. It starts off by saying that there was a Minneapolis couple that decided to go to Florida to thaw out during a particularly icy winter. These, they decided they were going to do the snowbird thing this year. And so they planned to stay at the same hotel where they had spent their honeymoon 20 years earlier. And so because of their hectic schedules, it was difficult to coordinate their travel. Uh, so the husband left Minnesota and flew to Florida on Thursday with his wife flying down the following day. So the husband checked into the hotel, and there was a computer in his room. And so he decided to send an email to his wife. However, he accidentally left out one letter in her email address without realizing his error. He sent the email. And so, uh, meanwhile, somewhere in Houston, there was a widow who had just returned from her husband's wake. And he was a minister who had went home to be with the Lord. So the widow decided that she would check her email, expecting messages from relatives and friends. And after reading the first message, she screamed and she fainted. The widow's son rushed into the room, found his mother lying on the floor, and he saw the computer screen which read, To my loving wife, subject, I've arrived. He says, I know you're surprised to hear from me. They have computers here now. And you're allowed to send emails to your loved ones. I just arrived and have been checked in. I've seen that everything has been prepared for your arrival tomorrow. I'm looking forward to seeing you then. Hope your, your journey is as uneventful as mine was. P.S. It sure is hot down here. As we get started this morning, I wanted to start off just to kind of lighten up the mood. But, you know, one of the most detrimental things to any relationship is miscommunication. Would you agree? And, you know, one of the most detrimental things to our relationship with God also is miscommunication. It's misunderstanding who he is. It's misunderstanding his intentions. It's misunderstanding what his word declares. And I so appreciate the series that we've been on over the last several weeks. We've been studying from the book of Romans, and we've titled this series, I'm All Right. The reason why we've titled it that way is because if you look at the writings of Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit to the early church in Rome, he was really pushing this idea, this notion. He was encouraging and reemphasizing to the body of Christ in that church in Rome that they really were all right with God, but it had nothing to do with their performance. It had nothing to do with what they thought they added to a relationship with God. These people were a people who were Jewish by nature. And there was a lot of misunderstanding, miscommunication, if I could put it that way, amongst them as to what it meant to be a follower of Christ. Because many of them were Jewish Christians, they relied on their background, their upbringing. The context for relationship with God with them was the Mosaic Law, which was really about following a bunch of rules. I'll sum it up this way. You do for God, you get from God. That's the way the Mosaic Law worked. But God did not want it to be that way. That's the reason why he gave Christ who fulfilled the law. 
And so for many of the believers in this early church, they believed that to be a follower of Jesus Christ, one still had to uh, adhere to things like circumcision as a sign of your faith. Can you imagine that today if you came to, to this church and we said, hey, we're so glad you accepted Jesus, but we want to schedule your circumcision. <laughs> Weird, right? That's not the way it works today, right? These people uh, put an emphasis on celebrating several feasts, uh, making all types of sin offerings. But the thing about it is that these were all for appearance. And the reason why I say that is because they never addressed the issues of the heart. They never went beyond the surface. And God's not into surface-level relationship. You know, it's sad to say that these results still have a place among the body of Christ today. If we could just be honest with ourselves, we still have divisions based on the traditions of men. I'll give you one, for example. Denominations. Show me in the scripture where there is anything that says that we're to be divided by Christian, Baptist, Pentecostal, Evangelical, Episcopalian, Catholic. It's not in the scriptures. It is not. And because it is not in the scriptures, we must pay attention to that. Because till this day, we have a body of Christ that is divided by titles. Right? Till this day, we still have many man-made rules that are imposed to dictate what people think constitutes relationship with God. Things like dress, attire. Song selections, what worship looks like, right? For some people, it creeps them out that I just walked out here with jeans and a leather jacket, right? Why? If the scripture clearly states that God knows no man after the outer man, but he looks upon the heart, right? And so we still have divisions in many different ways. We still have those that look down upon others based upon their appearance and include or exclude them in the church because of it. And my question as I think about this is, how is that possible when the scriptures show us otherwise? You know, I wonder, how did it happen then? How did they get there? And why does it still happen today? And you know, the Apostle Paul, he knew something about this because he was a Jew. As a matter of fact, in the portion of Scripture, Paul says, I am the chief. He says, I'm a Pharisee of Pharisee, a Hebrew amongst Hebrews. In other words, I got this all down pat. But if you read further, he says, I count that all dung. It's not worth anything. Right? And so Paul knew something about this as a Jew. And in the book of Romans, what we see is that Paul begins to address these miscommunications. And today, we're going to be looking at one of the major contributors to the reluctance that the people of Israel, God's people, the Jewish people had then, that persists even today, until this day, in the church today. And so, uh, today we're going to take a little different approach. And, we're and I'm inviting you, first and foremost, to take a different approach to God today to seize the opportunity to do differently from what people of old in the church did that created divisions. Today I'm inviting you to join me in being purposeful, being intentional about listening to God. Today I want to talk to you on the topic, 
ears that hear. Ears that hear. Now, you know, we all have ears, right? And we all hear, right? But the truth is that we're not always listening. Isn't that the truth? We're not. We're not always listening. And today I'm inviting you not to hear me. I'm inviting you to listen to God as we consider the scriptures. And so I'd like to take a different approach to our time of study today. I know that in this particular series we've been breaking down chapter by chapter in the book of Romans. Today we're actually going to take a broader view as we look at chapters 9, 10, and 11. But we're not going to read them all. I literally just want to pull some excerpts from them because they're all connected. So let me just be a Bible geek for a moment. Just everybody say with me, I love Pastor Jose. I feel better already. I feel better already because I'm going to get real geeky on you for a moment. But, you know, these chapters in Romans chapter 9, 10, and 11 are what Bible scholars refer to as parenthetical chapters. And the reason why they're referred to as parenthetical chapters is because they're all connected. They're all connected in that in chapter 9, Paul introduces his desire for the people of Israel. And he says, man, to them have been given all the promises. They were the ones to receive the message of the coming Messiah. And Paul laments them. In Romans 10, Paul speaks to the current state of the people of Israel, the hardness of their heart, their inability to seek God and follow after God because they were hardened to hear him. And in Romans 11, Paul asserts the promise that is still sure and secure for their future. God's plan always was to bless all the nations of the world through these people. Can I just encourage you with something? Bless the people of Israel. Pray for the people of Israel. Be a friend to the people of Israel. No matter what they look like, no matter what they act like, they are still God's chosen people just like you. And so, in any event, the reason why they're called parenthetical chapters, why they're referred to that way is because Paul brings to light the blessings and promises of God that were first and foremost for Israel. But these blessings and promises were then meant to transcend into all the nations. Think of it this way. It's as a parent who passes on all their belongings to their children. Get it? Parenthetical. It flows. And so these chapters literally assert the lineage, the promises of God, and how God has used you and I today, what, people, what the Bible refers to as Gentiles, non-Jewish people, to now help turn them back to the kingdom of God, to God. And so the following excerpts from these three chapters highlight some of the major issues that led to their inability to hear God and to follow his ways. As a matter of fact, they also speak to us about some of the things that stop us. And so listen closely. Romans chapter 9 verses 30 through 32 says this. What does this all mean? Even though the Gentiles were not trying to follow God's standards, they were made right with God. God chose people that did not choose him. Isn't that good news for you and me? It it doesn't depend on you and I. And so it goes on to say, um, and it was by faith that this took place. But the people of Israel who tried so hard to get it right with God by keeping the law, they never succeeded. Why not? Because they were trying to get right with God by keeping the law instead of by trusting him. Let me just translate that to you into layman's terms. They were putting their confidence in their religion. And and the scripture says they stumbled over the great rock, 
in their path. That's referring to Jesus Christ. They missed him. They stumbled over the truth. And so I just want to point something out to you about them. They preferred religion for God over relationship with God. I'm going to say that again. They preferred religion for God instead of relationship with God. What does that look like? When it's religion for God, it's simply this. This is what I do for God. I go to church. This is what I do for God. I try to be a good person. This is what I do for God. I pray all these prayers. This is what I do for God. I give an offering. This is what I do for God. But the thing about it is this. You're doing something for God and not knowing God. We put religion in place of relationship with God. This is where they went wrong. Romans 10, second half of verse 8 starts off by saying, the message is very close at hand. What message? It's the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's God's plan to redeem mankind independent of our efforts. And so it says the message is very close at hand. It, <coughs> excuse me. It is on your lips and in your heart. And that message is the very message about faith that we preach. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Notice it doesn't give you a laundry list of things that you do to be right with God. It doesn't give you a laundry list of things to do to get into heaven. It says you believe in your heart and you declare it with your mouth. It's public. Verse 10, for it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. And it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. As the scriptures tell us, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Jew and Gentile are the same in this respect. They have the same Lord who gives generously to all who call on him. And so I want to point something out to you about where they were going wrong, the, the people of Israel. They had more faith in themselves than faith in God. I'm going to say that again. They had more faith in themselves than faith in God. You know, that's really what religion is. When you subscribe just to religious activity, right, and you pat yourself on the back and I'm a good little Christian, I'm a good little believer, right, I'm a good person, you know, really what you're doing is you're putting faith in yourself. Not faith in God, right? We can all end up there if we're not careful. And so they had more faith in themselves. Romans 10, 16, and 17 says this, but not everyone welcomes the good news. For Isaiah the prophet said, Lord, who has believed our message? This was written 800 years before the birth of Jesus Christ. And here's what they were missing, that the scriptures foretold everything as to who the Messiah would be. It gave signs. It gave timelines. They understood that. They understood what city he would be born in. And yet, the good news was present. The Savior was there. And they missed it. They missed it. They missed it. Verse 17 says, so faith comes from hearing. That is, hearing the good news about Christ. So they appeared open to God but they shut the door to the truth. They appeared open to God, but they shut the door to the truth. They did not welcome the good news of Jesus Christ. They didn't want it. And in Romans 11, verses 28 through 31, we see that it says, many of the people of Israel are now enemies of the good news. 
Notice that it doesn't say enemies of God. They are enemies of the good news, and this benefits you Gentiles. Somebody say, that's me. That's me. See, yet they are still the people he loves because he chose their ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. For God's gift and his call can never be withdrawn. Once you Gentiles were rebels against God, but when the people of Israel rebelled against him, God was merciful to you instead. Now listen to this. Now they are the rebels and God's mercy has come to you so that they too will share in God's mercy. See, God wants to use your life, your faith, and what he's doing in you to show them he's still the same God and he still loves them. So what do we see from them? We see that they lost sight of the promise that their lives held. These people forgot what God had told Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Through you, I'm going to bless the entire world. Through you, I'm going to make my name known. And so these people were hard of hearing. They were hard of hearing. And they forgot the promises of God. And my friends... Lest we judge them, let us also remember that we too have ears, and sometimes we too don't listen. Isn't that true? Isn't that true? So for the remainder of our time this morning, I want us to take a look at an instance, a time when the people of Israel heard God, but they weren't listening to him. And I want you to consider with me what we can learn from there. Now granted, I'm going to give you some points, but I want you to consider the scriptures and I don't want you to see this as uh, from the outside looking in. I don't want you to see this as I'm observing the people of Israel. I want you to see where you might fit in this picture. I want you to measure where you are. And let God speak to you there. Is that all right? Yes. Amen. So, uh, years after the people of Israel had been roaming in circles in desert lands, because of their disobedience and hardness of heart, a day came when they finally saw the light at the end of the tunnel. God had told them that, the, that they were going to inherit a land of promise. That this was going to be a place of great blessing. As a matter of fact, the exact words of God were, this land flows with milk and honey. You won't, you're not going to have to work or sweat or toil for anything. It's all already there. The city is there. The buildings are there. The homes are there. The animals are there. The provision is there. And so they're finally getting there after many years of walking around in circles in the desert. And the scripture says that God gave Moses specific instruction for them. He told them, hey, I need you to do this before you guys enter the land. And so as they approach it, God told Moses to appoint men, people that would go in and explore the land. They would go see it and bring back a report. But the intent of it was to encourage the people. And so these guys go out. They're 12 tribal leaders. You got to understand that these weren't just anyone. These were people of faith that were chosen to go. These were people that were proven as leaders. These were people that were appointed by anointing of God. These were people that were leaders and were supposed to be an example of what it meant to look to God. And so these 12 men, they go on out. Now, I'm not, we're, gonna, we're not going to read it, but I'll just point out some things that Moses told them uh, when he sent them out. He sent them out to explore the land of Canaan, uh, Canaan, Numbers 13 says. 
It says that he told them to go up through the hill country and look at it all. To see what kind of land it was and whether the people were, uh, who lived there were strong or weak, uh, whether they were few or many. What kind of land was it? What was the soil like? Uh, what did the towns look like? Were there walls and fortifications? Uh, and he also told them, tell me about the trees. And don't forget, bring me back some of the fruit. You see, this was during the time of the harvest at this time. And so Moses sends them out. And it's important to note that God commanded Moses to send the people to explore the land. These people not only had God's instruction as to what they were to do when they got there and they saw it. They also had the promise that God had told them, this is your land. You're going to take it. So remember that context. And so let's go to Numbers 13, verses 26 through 33. And let's see what happens when they arrive back. Let's see what the scripture says. It says, they came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community in Kadesh in the desert of Paran. There they reported to them and to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. And they gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here it is. Here's the fruit. But the people who live there are powerful. And the cities are fortified, and they're very large. And we saw the descendants of Anak there. Those are giants, by the way. The Amalekites live in the Negev. The Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites, they all live in the hill country of the, and the Canaanites. They live near the sea and along the Jordan. And then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, We should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. But the man who had gone up with him said, we can't attack these people. They're stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They said the land we explored, it devours those living in it. All the people we saw there, they're, they're a great size, man. They're giants. We saw the Nephilim there. The descendants of Anak who come from the Nephilim. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes and we looked the same to them. So I want you to think about this. Upon their return, these men, we find them initiating their report by confirming what God said he would do. They say, this is, the land is indeed good. Oh, it definitely flows with milk and honey. Look, we even picked up a bunch of fruit. Look how great the fruit is. But then it all comes crashing down from that point forward. Everything went south from that point forward. You know, I believe it's safe to say that we have all found ourselves here at some point. Maybe you're there now. That place where you know what God's word says. You know the blessing that the scriptures declares upon your life. You have clear instruction from God's word as to how you're to comport yourself in a certain situation, how you're to proceed in life. You know God. And yet, like the people of Israel, we find ourselves wrestling. 
wrestling with questions, wrestling with doubts, wrestling with stubbornness and losing that fight, entertaining fears. And the thing is, we have to think about how did they go from hearing God's instruction and knowing what the outcome was to be to convincing themselves that they could not have what God had showed them. The first point I want to leave you with here today is that nothing God says before the word but counts. I'm going to say that again. Nothing God says before the word but counts. Now, let me be very clear in saying that every word from God counts. It is supreme. It is true. It is powerful. It contains the seeds for life. It has every solution you and I need. But when you insert your butt into what God has says, when you have the instruction, when you have understanding, when you know the truth, when you know the way to go, and then you say, I know what God says, but, but, here's, here's, here's what's going on. Here's what everybody's saying. This is what happened today. This is how I feel. You know what you do? You go from a place of standing. The Bible says that we are to stand and having Stood, we are to continue to stand more, right? When you know the truth in God's word, it positions you to stand. Why? Because you're at the ready to go somewhere. But when you insert your opinion and your view into what God has said, not only do you go from moving and a place of readiness to accomplish what God has called you to, you also squash the potential and the power that God has given you. Now, now, here's the reality in that. That if that's where you are, where you question what, God, what God's word says, no wonder you're stuck. No wonder life stinks. Pun intended. We got to stop and really think about this. You know, these people pivoted so quickly from a place of power to a place of powerlessness simply by inserting their opinion and point of view. Now, I know I'm entitled to my opinion and my point of view. You are absolutely entitled to it. But you can't put your opinion and your view in place of what God's word says. I mean, you can. But can I give you a piece of advice? You shouldn't. It doesn't work. It'll always blow up in your face. See, when our opinions and our views override the instruction, the truth, the power afforded to us by God, we go from advancing to being stuck. I think now's a good time to insert this portion of Scripture. 1 Thessalonians 2.13 says this. It says, And we also thank God continually because when you received the word of God, Listen to this, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as human word. Listen to this. 
but actually, as it actually is, the Word of God, which is indeed at work in you who believe. Let's leave that portion of Scripture up for a moment because I want you to see what God is revealing to us through the writings of this author. He's saying this isn't just words. This isn't just a book. This isn't just some life principles. This is actually the very communication that comes from God. Let me ask you a question. When you read your Bible, do you read it with that understanding? Don't answer that for me. But answer that for yourself. Be honest. We look at the Word of God sometimes as if it's just something to read. As if it's just something that, you know, that's a nice thing to have. And I want you to think about what the Scriptures reveal here. We are talking about God Almighty, creator of all creation, master of all the universe, the wisest, strongest, most powerful entity and being in all creation. And he says, this is my word. This is my communication to you. See, if we're to develop ears that hear God, we must first accept that the Bible contains the very words of God. That God is actually speaking to us. Which leads me to my next point. The good news of the gospel becomes no news when you start listening to people. Let me say that again. The good news of the gospel... The truth about what Jesus Christ has done becomes no news when you start listening to people. Think about this. The people of Israel, the ones that stayed behind when these tribal leaders went out to examine the land, to bring back a report, the only context that they had for what was ahead was what God had said. Here's what they knew. It's a good land. It flows with milk and honey. We are able and capable. God has given it to us. We are going to succeed. That's all they knew. But then all of a sudden, these tribal leaders come back. And of the 12, 10 of them say, hey, it really is a good land. It's exactly what God said. But hey, this is going to... This is not going to work out for us. This is going to go real bad for us. You, you don't understand. There are giants there. And we're little. We're not just little in their eyes. We're little in our own eyes. We, we can't do this. I know what God said, but I didn't think it was going to entail challenges. Let me be honest with you from personal experience. Anything that God calls you to, you will have to face some resistance. And it's not that God brought the resistance. It's just that there are forces. You do have an enemy. And this world is against what God has appointed you to do. And so this report caused the entire nation of Israel outside of two 
a man named Joshua and another one named Caleb, it caused the entire nation to doubt, to turn away, to say, we're not going to the land of promise. We're not going towards our healing. We're not going towards our victory. Can I say something to someone who needs to hear this today? Don't know why I need to say it, but I'm just going to say it. If your relationship with God feels dry, feels lacking, ask yourself this question. Who are you in relationship to? Because that plays a big part in it. You know, I'm no singer, but I know this. That hearing God requires tuning our ear. So, let me ask. Can I ask you a question, sir? Could you hum for me the key of C? Try and do that as loud as you can. Just just hum something for me. Um, could you hum for me the key of C? Please. Hmm. Could, could you hum for me the key of C, sir? Okay. Okay. So, up until this point, everyone's got their own interpretation of the key of C. Right? But if I give you what the key of C sounds like, now hum it. Ah, isn't it interesting how now we're all in the key of C? Now, let me tell you why I share that with you as an example. Because notice that everyone sounded differently until we had the right tune. And these people were all in tune with what God had said until they lent their ear and their heart to listen to another. Can I tell you, it's not that complicated to follow God if you will just tune your ear to his voice. It's not that complicated. Romans 10, 16 and 17 says this. We looked at this earlier. It says, but not everyone welcomes the good news. For Isaiah the prophet said, Lord, who has believed our message? And so faith, watch this, it comes from hearing. That is, hearing the good news about Christ. You know, the reason why we can sometimes easily turn to despair and give up like they did is because we welcome bad news as good news. Now, let me tell you what I mean by that. I'd like to share a different perspective, a definition of what we call good news. You know, good news is also what is known as credible news. It's truth. It's reliable. And we often confuse what the Bible means when it calls the message of Jesus Christ as the good news. We think that it solely means that it should produce good feelings, that it should bring good things, and it does, and that's a good thing. But the reason why the message of Jesus Christ is called the good news is because it is credible news. It is reliable news. This word of God 
is good news. You can count on what it tells you and I. And so, ears that hear, ears that are inclined, a life that is oriented and consistent in following God and is successful is one that is tuned to hearing credible news. Let me tell you what I mean by that. If what your ear is tuned to, if what your life is defined by is not pointing you to Christ, if it's not pointing you to your identity in Christ, if it's not pointing you to your freedom in Christ, if it's not pointing you to the hope and the promise that you have because of Christ, it is not good news because it's not credible. And listen, it brings no credit to your growth and your faith account. So what are you filling yourself with? What are you listening to? Listen, just because it's your friend or someone you respect doesn't mean that it's good news. Let me just address us church folk. Listen, just because a preacher is reading it from the Bible doesn't mean it's good news. See, you've got to go to the credits. You've got to explore what the author says. We must become familiar with the truth in order for it to truly prove to be good news in our lives. Listen, just because it's reported as news, well, I'm going to go there. Just because CNN said it, CBS said it, ABC said it, Fox said it, BBC said it, just because the CDC said it, Listen, just because men say it, because politicians say it, doesn't mean it's credible. It doesn't mean it's credible. Listen, we're in a day and age where we're told to put our trust in science, to put our trust in political leaders, to put our trust in campaign promises, to put our trust in the systems of men. What's the result of that thus far? We are more divided than ever as a nation, right? We are now legalizing discrimination on various fronts, right? We're causing a rift racially, economically, societally, and totally within the church. Can I say this? And I mean this with all due respect. But let me just address some family business among the church. And if the shoe fits here, please don't wear it. Change it. But let me, just, let me just address something. It is a shame that in the body of Christ, we have more and more people that rely on the opinions of men than we do the word of God. No wonder less and less people believe in Jesus. But I'll tell you this. Not in this house. We're not doing that here. Man, I really got to close up. <laughs> Let me just say this. If it's, not, if it's not God's word, it's not good news. And it is incredible for you. The last point I want to leave you, I actually have two, but I'll just wrap them up together. 
To retain what you hear from God, you must develop eyes that see it. I'm going to say that again. To retain what you hear from God, you must develop eyes that see it. I want you to think about this. The people of Israel had a vision for success. All of a sudden, these men go out, and when they come back, we discover what had been playing in the hearts of these men the whole time. They saw disaster. They did not believe that what God had promised was true. But why was that? Because they were practicing. They were practicing a lie. And you know, we got to be careful because the Word of God has been given to us, not just for us to know some scripture, it's to change our sight. Listen to what God said to one of the two men that successfully was able to see the promised land. Joshua 1, 8 and 9 says this, Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. So there's a key to prospering and being successful. He goes on to say, Have I not commanded you be strong and courageous? Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Now listen to this. Notice what God told him was necessary to prosper and be successful. He said, meditate on this word day and night. And you know, that wasn't talking about rehearsing a scripture. That word meditate there means to imagine. Let me ask you a question. What are you imagining because of what the word says? What marriage do you imagine? What home do you imagine? What changes do you imagine? What healing do you imagine? What strength do you imagine? What possibilities do you imagine because of the Word of God? My friends, I'm going to tell you something. Everyone is imagining something. And here's the power in it. Whatever you're imagining, you're living right now. So why not change it? See, you can prosper and be successful. But you have to develop, we have to develop our spiritual eyes. And as you take the Word of God and you begin to imagine, you begin to see new possibilities Listen, you begin to understand where God is leading you, what God is preparing you for, what God is calling you towards, what God created you for. Listen, it's time to open up our eyes as we incline our ears and hear. As we stand here and come to a close, I want to leave you with this thought. Most people don't hear God's voice because they've already decided they aren't going to do what he says. Most people don't hear God's voice because they've already decided they aren't going to do what he says. I want to encourage you on your own time to go and check out your Bible and look at Acts chapter 17. 
Paul shows up, he leaves a place called Thessalonica, and he comes to another place called Berea. And when he gets there, these Bereans, they meet him. And he begins to share with them the good news of the gospel. And the scripture says that these people were more honorable than those that were in Thessalonica because they went back and reviewed the scriptures to see if what he had taught them was true. And as a result, the scripture says, many of them came to the place of salvation and followed after Christ. My friend, let me encourage you as we close here with this. For some of us, we've already made up our mind and said, I'm not trying to hear that. But let me show you the folly in your decision. You're doing that without any context for the truth. You haven't even stopped to look to the Word of God. And my friend, I want to encourage you to see the reality of what you're choosing. You're choosing a path of destruction. Don't make that choice. Turn to God. He's speaking. Father, today we come to you in the precious and mighty name of Jesus. Lord, we thank you for your word. It is the truth. And today in the hearing of your word, Lord, Lord, we want to do more than just simply hear. We want to listen. And so today we incline our hearts. We push all these other things out of the way. We make room. And Lord, we acknowledge your word as your word, as truth is powerful. And we ask you, Lord, help us now to understand it, to get a new vision for life according to it, to go where you're calling us to. These your people, Lord, you've called by name. And Holy Spirit, I commit them to you, and I thank you that you teach us, that you show us what's to come, that you reveal Jesus and your plans to us. Hey everybody, thank you so much for joining us here at Church of the Bridge today. I pray that you had a personal encounter with God, that he spoke to you powerfully, and that he met you at your place of need with this message. I also want to encourage you to go ahead and subscribe to our YouTube page. By doing so, you'll be able to check out past messages, uh, past events that we've done. You'll also be able to see what's happening now and those things that are to come. And lastly, I'd like to invite you to join with us in all that God is doing with your giving. Feel free to do so on our website. Again, thank you again for joining us, and I can't wait to connect with you next week.